You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. So much to do today. We have we're trying to cram in all of our rec- as much recording as much recording as possible. Yeah, before we get on mandatory lockdown. Exactly, which is going to happen. We're at over a hundred thousand cases in the U.S. Like we're going to be on a lockdown. We're not we're not going to be able to reach out to our fans. My friend, and our listeners. my friend, my friend from the U.K. was like, "Why do you have so many?" cases and i was like uh because trump said it was a democratic hoax for like weeks exactly and, and he's still letting um governors get away with not locking people down he's not putting out like he's putting out suggestions but he's not putting out like regulations mm-hmm. every other know? country is literally like on lockdown and we're just like business as usual unless you want to do something different did you see that the like the governor of mississippi the governor of Mississippi, I want to say, um, like reopened some restaurants and <laughs> like just fucking idiots. They're all idiots. Uh, which also I was listening to our last our last episode where we were talking about this was when the virus was really just starting to break. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of like, so I don't know. I think we'll be on lockdown, you know, for a couple of weeks and who knows how long. And now it's. It's probably going to be May or June before we actually... As long as it's before my wedding. <laughs> That's all Paul cares about. I mean, as long as it's before... I'm okay with passing up summer. I'm not mm-hmm. a summer person. We can ride this through until fall, and I'd be like, fuck yes. I got to go from spring to fall. I didn't have to deal with the heat. I didn't, <laughs> didn't have, have to, to go talk. to the beach. What about pride? We won't get to go to pride. We can do pride in the fall. But, do you know how much stuff is going to be in the fall? Everybody. Also, you're <laughs> going to have to worry about all the venues that are having to cancel and reschedule weddings. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something to think mm-hmm. about. But yeah. Um, Here we are. Um, I feel, <laughs> listen, I had to go like a week without my medicine because mm. I got two sample packs from the doctor while I was waiting on my insurance to like approve it. Yeah. And they fucking dragged their feet. Mm-mm. so long like literally i was prescribed the medicine two months ago and i just got my prescription wow yeah wow. so my anxiety has been a little fucked up because i had to stop taking my anxiety meds and then i started taking them again and it's like that whole in-between period again now and let me tell you yeah. i had some really bad anxiety for the past three days but today i'm actually feeling fine it's probably because i'm having wine at 10 30 a.m is that um, why we went with Platinum Blonde for our hair? Is no, that your we went for Platinum Blonde <laughs> because David was like, we should do our hair. And we basically were like out for a drive because we're not trying, to, we're trying to not go anywhere. Yeah. We ended up at fucking Sally Beauty Supply and he's like, let's just go buy stuff for our hair. And I was like, I guess I'm doing it. Guess you're doing it. Yeah. Um, it was actually supposed to be silver, but I didn't buy like, like I basically need to bleach my hair again. Yeah. And I just haven't gone back out to get the stuff. So. <laughs> okay. I'm rocking the like not as platinum as I want it to be platinum. Yeah. Katie wants me to do a a blue green or blue purple color. I'm not opposed to it because I've never been able to dye my hair a fun color because in retail you I couldn't oh, do it. That's why I stopped because yeah. remember it used to be like chrome and like yeah. I had fun colors and then I was in retail and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be boring and then I got used to like the plain and now Yeah. An adjustment again. No, it's adjustment. Yeah. See, uh, well, I don't know what our rules are at the new business, but since I'm probably not going to be working in the um, office or are with you clients. Still being paid? Yes, I'm being paid. Do you know any information? Like, I'm I- going to find out. But I'm just assuming that if I'm quarantined and I can't go anywhere or meet with clients for the next month face to face, it probably isn't going to matter. But I'm going to I'm going to find out mm-hmm. before I do anything. Samantha's very opposed to me dyeing my hair, but I'm like, what the fuck else am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Lockdown. Also, Samantha had to cut my hair for the first time. Mm-hmm. So what are you looking at me like that for? What is it bad? 
No, it's not bad, but I could give her some tips. Yeah, well, please do. Because <laughs> they closed out all the salons around us. And the day that I went to go get my hair cut was the day that they closed down the salon. So I was like, fuck me, I waited too long. And so, I go to my hairstylist's house, so I can probably just text her and be like, hey, you want some money? I need a haircut. And she'd probably be like, well, come over now, please. nice for you. I can uh, give you her number. My hair or I can talk to her about it first. I don't know. I have to see. Samantha's been very, if she's doing a lot of work, Samantha's probably not going to want me to do it. And also probably not a good idea. Yeah, true. You know, but. Um, she's young. <laughs> she could still carry it. Also, did you see the the first child under 18 died of the coronavirus? I did see that. That's very sad. Yeah. I wonder if that child was previously sick. I mean, not yeah. that it matters, but like just. Just wonder, yeah. Like, is it is the virus getting more deadly or was that child you know what I mean? Like, was there an underlying condition that caused the death? Just yeah. so that way we can know to prepare to take things to the next level if it's yeah. getting deadlier. Oh, yeah. If the child was immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we've had a couple of, a lot a lot more younger deaths are coming to light. Well, people the thing in their is, 30s because and, people are just pretending like nothing matters. Yeah. And, and like, here's the thing that's going to cause more deaths in younger people as the hospitals get more overwhelmed, as things get more overwhelmed and they're not able to get the treatment that they need. Because the hospitals are being filled with older patients who obviously need the treatment more, but like that's what's going to happen. Oh yeah, but then they're taking the older patients off the respirators to give them to the younger children. So it's like, are the younger people? Yeah, it's it's real, it's intense. Mm -hmm. And you know, for like a half a second there, I thought Trump was going to you know maybe rein it in, not rein it in, but I thought he he doesn't want the cure to be worse than the the sickness. Okay. Well, That's what he said. The cure of like, you mean like shutting he down? Yeah, he's basically, basically like. Basically, yeah, he doesn't want the economy to tank. Mm-hmm. Fuck him. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like for half a second, like I thought maybe he's going to be at least be presidential during this. And then flipped it around. It's like, nope, nope. You're still the same asshole. Yep. Spends such time attacking governors, saying things like if the governors are nice to me. Did you see maybe that I'll Boris Johnson funding. got corona? Yeah, I did. Jealous. Which, <laughs> <laughs> Just Which I don't know if he'll. He said it's mild, so he might have... I don't know. There's, like, two different strains, I think, so he might have got the more mild one. Who knows what's happening? It's... But he's the one... I also heard that the UK is, like, not shutting down. Mm -hmm. Like, they're like, nope, we're not doing it, blah, blah, blah. Could be wrong, but that's what I've read through the... Heard through the grapevine, um, and that's karma. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, he was going around still shaking people's Mm -hmm. hands, and just, like, as idiotic as Trump is, where he's like, he's like, I still shake people's hands, and I don't care. All right, bitch. Fine. St- sit on a respirator. Take someone's mm-hmm. respirator because you're right. so stupid. Yeah. No, the the UK will shut it down. It's the same thing. Everybody's acting like they don't have to take it serious. It's not going to affect them. And it is. Yep. You know? So, anyways, that's enough about the coronavirus. This is your queer story. Yes, we are the <laughs> podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism. And uh, we're your hosts. I'm Paul Hobbs. And I'm Evan Jones. Um, and now that I thought about it, I mentioned it before, and I'm going to do it. We are going to have Christmas shirts. We are nine months away from if Christmas. If he starts now, we might have them, yes. because we never had them last we, year, um, like we said we were. Use you. I have a lot going on. You know I'm how just much saying. It takes, I said, maybe we should say this. hours and hours and hours of brainstorming to come up with the design. I am not undermining what you do for work. I am just saying, last time I was like, we should be careful saying in November that we're going to have Christmas shirts. Well, guess what? It's March. <laughs> So, and we're on lockdown. We're so going to have hope. peace, love, and radicalism, <laughs> ugly sweaters. I love it. In right? fact, I would just like peace, love, and radicalism, I guess, on a shirt. I mean, who knows if we'll be able to celebrate Pride this year, but. That's true. I don't know. I could probably make it happen. I mean, if you guys have a. Uh, peace, love, and quarantine. If you <laughs> if you guys have design ideas or um, want to sell us some like art or something, reach yeah. out to us because. I've actually started following a lot of queer artists on Instagram for another project I work on for my meme page because I want to get say what it, yeah, uh, Gay Bee Unicorn because yeah. I want to like get a little bit of merch for that. But I'm following queer artists. If you do art, reach out to us. We would love to buy some designs or, you know, collab or work with you. Share your art. We have our Instagram. We wouldn't be opposed to posting your art on there and yeah, our story or exactly. something. We just want to spread it. So uh, yeah, we, need to we put like more to spread things our- wide open. Um, it's our favorite. <laughs> Spread it eagle. 
<laughs> spread it open. <laughs> yeah, we like to put, we need to put more stuff on our Instagram. We basically just put up like for our, uh, episode each and week. even then we skip that sometimes. even then we do we, we're still dropping episodes even if you're not seeing them posted. we're getting better i'm gonna get better i'm getting better i feel like i've been left with the reins of the social media which is a dangerous thing you Listen, think that with you being on instagram so much you just pop over and share something but that's fine i'll I, do it if you share stuff on our instagram <laughs> i reshare it on gaby unicorn on our right. story with the swipe up that brings a lot of traffic all right all i just right. can't i got a lot going on he's got a lot going on people listen Anybody who knows me knows that I'm. I always have projects going on, but now that I literally don't have to leave my house, I've like amped it up. I'm like, of I can do you eighteen have, other things. Stop starting businesses and, and listen, focus on the ones we have. I'm like, let's rebrand Trailer Park Girls as Drag Strippers. I bought DragStrippers.com. Oh I registered God. Drag Strippers on Instagram and Twitter. I'm like, if I. What do they say? Like the devil in free mm-hmm. hands or something like that? Yeah. Idle hands. Like that's me. If well, I have time, I am just going to create and. Spread my brain and my time and as many projects as I can as once. See, that's the thing. It's I love when you do that. I love when you do that for your queer story. And I get trailer park girls because also you do like a lot of media for them. So like that's fine. It's when you decide that you're going to start a new business, a new company, a new website. And I'm like, <laughs> just take that energy and put it back into your queer story. I could. You I really c- could. You should. But I need ideas. That's the thing. When I run out of ideas and I come up with an idea for something else, that's an outlet. Find a way to make it work for your queer story. Give me ideas and I will. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we're fine. We're good. Um, but yeah, we should get on to towards our thing. But before we do, before we get to our episode, it's our April Fool's episode. So it's a villains episode. Of course. Um, and we've also skipped villains for like two. It's been a while. I think it was before Christmas when yeah. we had our last um, LGBTQ we're supposed villains. to do it every 10 episodes. I know. Started. I know. Well, I'm sorry. It's a lot of work to do all the research <laughs> for it. And we've been all over the place because I'm try- I was trying to honor Black History Month and then I was trying to honor Women's Month and... You know, so yeah, here we are. But um, make sure you check out our Patreon. We had a new Behind the Queens that we recorded today, so that's going to be dropping. Yep. And if you want to get a little preview of what is on Behind the Queens, I posted the interview um, where Evan interviewed me about what it's like dating a drag queen. Yep. That one was posted for the public for free. So if you are hesitant, if you're like, should I subscribe to this? Am I going to like this? Give that episode a listen and you'll get a little preview. Yep. Um, it's not the only kind of content we post. Evan posts his uh, Coffee with Evan. And uh, we're looking into ideas for, you know, I'm looking into ideas of things that I can post. So we are active yep. on it. Um, and it really helps us. It helps the podcast. It helps the queer community because what we make through that is how we fund the podcast, basically. Exactly. And how we fund our queer mentorship, which has been a little slow lately, but you know, you can always reach out to us. We have mentors all over the country that we can put you in contact with if you need help transitioning as a young person from, you know, your life at home, if you come from a conservative background and you need help transitioning out into the real world, that's what we're here for. Um, but yeah, the Coffee with Evan is every other week. I also posted a free video so that you can see what that's like as well. And we are still working on our interview series. It's just whenever we get that launched. But that's also going to be on there. Um, so interview series, Behind the Queens, Coffee with Evan. And if you're one of our gamers that listens mm-hmm. who wants us to cover gay gaming, yeah. Uh, if you join us on Patreon and you play League of Legends, you can game with me. There, there you, you go. go. Join me on some League games. If you suck, I might yell at you, but you know what? That's <laughs> if, if you really want to enter into that, you go right ahead and I, do it. And uh, pay to be berated by Paul. Feel free. Maybe it's your kink. I don't know. I, but yeah, if so, you want to uh, game with me, we can play some League. I actually put, started playing this Minecraft server that's called Mindscape, where it's literally RuneScape and Minecraft. If you don't play games, you don't know what that means. But if you do know what that means and you want to join me, hit us up on Patreon and you can spend time with me. Yeah, yeah, go right ahead. It's fine. <laughs> I'm less psycho on uh, Mindscape than I am on League. I'm excited to learn all about this because in a couple weeks we're going to be doing our episode. You know what on I should gaming. do is I should bring over like my Switch or my PlayStation. And we should play a game together oh my and record a little video of it because that would be pretty funny for people to watch. It's going to be awful because I don't know how to. I literally have not. I don't think I've played more than two hours worth of video games in my entire no, life. No, you used to play the zombies with your brother. Yeah, and you put that. Okay, so maybe maybe I played like. 10 to 20 hours in my entire mm-hmm. life because I did play the zombie game with my brother Didn't for a while. did you play the VR at my house? 
they did that once. I did the VR at yeah, your so house. Yeah, you played a little bit. That's what I mean. Like, there's been chunks where, like, an hour here, two hours there, you've sat me down and made me play a game, and then there's that one game that I played with my, my brother. And then when I was younger, I did, like, a driving PlayStation game. You know what might be easy for you if I bring the um, Switch and we just do like Mario, like an older game that's a little easy where it's not as complex. And, I've done Mario. Yeah, Kart blowing. St- you know, maybe yeah. it'll be maybe that'd be a little easier. Sure. You know what we should do? What should we? Did do? you ever watch Ghetto Gaming? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. No. We'll do a little. I'll, we'll watch that after this episode, okay. and then we can kind of do something like that. All right. Okay. Good. We got the plan. We got a plan. All right. Um, but we should get to our episode today because we still have so much work to do today. But. First, <laughs> what do you have to say? Subscribe wherever you're listening. <laughs> give us a like. Give us a heart. Give us a tweet. Rate us five stars. If you're listening on Spotify, which I think 70% of our listenership comes from Spotify, okay. um, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, or um, you can even just tweet at us. We really appreciate it. Every review gives us like a bump in the algorithm however that works Mm -hmm. and that really helps us out and gets our podcast in front of more listeners which just grows the queerston family and downloads help too which you can do on spotify you can download and um bump those up because that helps us Mm -hmm. to get noticed by sponsors yes people so yeah so today is April Fools, and we thought it only fitting to cover two of the biggest fools to ever hold office, Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. But Ronald Reagan set the United States up for so much prosperity. And Margaret Thatcher is an icon of feminism. How could we ever talk about them as villains, Evan? We'll tell you why. <laughs> so <laughs> though an ocean separated the two world leaders, their response to gay rights and the AIDS crisis during the 1980s would leave a deadly impact on the queer community. Together, the conservatives undermined LGBTQ activism at every turn while surrounded by the awe and wonder of their adoring followers. But who were Reagan and Thatcher before they became some of the most powerful public officials in the world? In many ways, the two have very different and yet corresponding lives. Reagan was an American, 14 years older than Thatcher, born on February 6, 1911, in the state of Illinois. He was the son of an Irish Catholic and an English Protestant. In the end, his mother, the, the Protestant and member of the Disciples of Christ, won out in Reagan's religious upbringing. Thatcher came into the world as Margaret Roberts and arrived more than a decade later in Lincolnshire, England, on October 13, 1925. Her parents were both devout Methodists and raised her in the church from infancy. Infancy, Though their denominations were different, the Protestant influence would play a large part to both the future leaders' lives. So, yeah. So, a lot of things. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but in your Christian history, you have Catholicism and you have Protestants as, like, the two main branches. Like, you have Jesus Christ in the, starting the church, and it drops down to Catholics, and it drops down to Protestants. And a lot of Protestants want to say that uh, Catholics aren't Christian, but they are because Christianity is believers of Christ. So what's the biggest? So is Christianity, Christianity like the biggest is, umbrella and yeah. then everything else splits out from there? Exactly. Christianity is the biggest. Those are direct followers of Christ. So like while other religions will acknowledge Christ and maybe even follow him in some tenets, they don't claim to be like only followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. So like uh, Muslims believe in Christ and believe that he had some good teachings, but they believe he's a prophet just like Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um so they and don't think he's like a godly figure, basically. They, well, they think their their prophets are godly figures, but like they don't like. But they're not Christians believe, of the yeah. God. Christians believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and like everything stems from Jesus. Whereas like Muslims believe that they're prophets of Allah, and then and you learn from them. And then uh, what's another like? Um, I don't think Hindus worship Christ. Uh, they have a lot of Christ-like figures or figures that were that Jesus was later modeled after. Um, there's another big one that I can't remember. Oh, but like, so, but like you have Christianity. And so then under that, you could also technically put Mormons. What about, um, Jehovah's Witnesses? Yes. Jehovah's Witnesses, but they are also another weird offshoot. So it, you know, like they don't, like you would have like Christianity and then under that umbrella, you'd have Catholics, Protestants. And then I guess you could also have little offshoots of Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses because they don't quite fall under Protestants. Protestants are Lutherans, Methodists, Baptists, um, a thousand and one denominations fall under Protestants. But Protestants is where evangelicals and fundamentalists come from. And that's where we get a lot of our anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. In England, they're called, um, they, uh, you also have Baptists, um, 
Anglicans are kind of in the middle. So in England, they have their own little branches and denominations. That's what I mean. Like under the Protestant realm, there's a thousand different denominations mm-hmm. that fit under that umbrella. So you're welcome for that. <laughs> yep. Hey, you know what? I actually find it really interesting because I grew up, I wouldn't say I grew up atheist. I personally was atheist, but I would say my family grew up agnostic. Yeah. So for me to like, I don't know, it's fascinating to me to learn that there's this one thing that's split into multiple different things that everybody believes and each different sect believes they're right. Oh, yeah. And that's to me is like fascinating. It really is. Just Christianity, religion in general is fascinating, but Christianity, the like. I wish you could make money for going to school for religious studies. Because I would do that as a non-religious person. If I could go to school and study religion, I it's something that I would be fascinated by. I mean, you could, but what would I be? What would my job be? Though? Your job could be like a, you'd have to be probably an author, writer, I couldn't a historian. No, nope. I just want to <laughs> yeah. learn. I don't want to actually yeah. put any effort into that. Yeah. I just want to like read and research, but I want to be paid to read and research. And that's just not something <laughs> that I could get paid to do, unfortunately. <laughs> there you go. I thought a lot about going to school for religious studies because I just. It's I'm so fascinating. Also, yeah. It's crazy. It just the mind. This might be offensive to people, but the mind control behind it mm-hmm. is what fascinates me. How your religion says this, so you are able to control. Like the way that religion has influenced the shape of the world, the colonization, the countries, the the powers, the revolts. Like it's yeah. so fascinating to me. It is the biggest influencer of history. The mass murder, the genocide. Yes. Like it's. Everything, everything from good to the, everything from the most good to the most evil has been touched by religion. Mm -hmm. It is, yeah, it is the greatest influencer of all time. Um, So it's pretty interesting. It's pretty incredible. But we'll get back to Reagan and Thatcher. So Reagan coasted through school on his good looks and alluring charm. As a C student, he showed little interest in school and cared more about playing sports and acting. This is why you don't let C students become president. <laughs> it's true. Though he did manage to become student body president in college and his position as captain on the swim team only bolstered his popularity. Margaret, for her part, was a diligent student who won a scholarship for the prestigious Kesteven and Grantham school, Girls School. During her final year of secondary school, high school which oh my god the 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 hole i had to go down into to understand european school let me tell you when i was 12 i met my my one of my great friends becca who Uh i'm still friends with today um and she lives in london and the conversations that we would have trying to as a 12 year old trying to map what you just went down was like as an American I was like this is insane why would you ever do that (laughs) and then I'm like oh actually we're the ones who changed everything and made everything complicated oh yeah of course yeah that's how they they all understand I totally understand it did you know that they also called the first floor like the second floor what we would call the second floor is the first floor to them oh wow well what's the base level what's the first floor yeah base level Okay, well, I don't know. I don't think it's called base level, but maybe ground. But like the yeah. first floor to them would be the second floor to us. We had well, a lot like, of confusing conversations about this. It was like, she's in her second sixth year or her, her first sixth year. I'm like, what do you mean her first sixth year? There's how many? A sixth year is a sixth year. <laughs> and what does it mean? And the first this first sixth year is like her junior year, what we were really. Yeah. And then the, they have to take the A levels, which yeah. is, good, I guess, similar to our Somebody SATs. told me the A levels and I, I just went along with it because I didn't know what it uh, means. This was like two weeks ago. They were like, yeah, I'm taking my A levels. I was like, wow, good for you. Good for you. That's great. What the fuck is that? I don't know. And then my shitty education makes it even worse because we didn't even take SATs, let alone have any idea what a fucking A level is. Right. But so like the Kesteven and Grantham Girls School was a grammar school, which is really like uh, beginning high school right around there. Their years are also very different than us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So Thatcher was a head, it was appointed head girl, a position that is somewhat similar to the student body president in American high schools, though head positions are not always elected and they hold a lot more responsibility than their American counterparts. So that's a big thing. So like the student body president in America is just some shitty job. Yeah, it's just that, there. It's exactly. literally, I was student body president and all it was Mr. was Popular. just of, I actually <laughs> rigged it. So before the student body president was voted in by the whole school. Uh-huh. And then the year that I got elected student body president, I was like, why don't we just hold the vote within our own group? 
<laughs> Look and then at I you. became student body. I was like, let's switch it up. Guys, listen. And wow. it's done wonders for me in my life. I actually graduated a semester <laughs> early, so I only held the student body president from fall to winter, and then I left. I was like, peace. How do you graduate high school semester I graduated early? in December. I went back in June for the thing, but because I was ahead. I was I was tutoring chemistry because I was so ahead. Wow. Look at he's so smart. And here I and am. Now today. he's running like a porn Instagram site. It is not and porn. That- also, we're already thirty <laughs> minutes in. Oh shit. Let's fucking move this bitch along. Okay. So yeah, so Margaret was a head girl. She also enjoyed sports in her free time, competing in field hockey and swimming. So basically if somebody was in swimming in high school, do not let them be president That's or right. like leader. Or, or prime minister or anything. Interestingly, is that a word? Interestingly, yes. Interestingly, they both encountered a specific instance of racial discrimination during their young lives. Of course, since they were both white with Anglo roots, the bias was not directed towards them. Instead, they merely responded to the incident. Still, while there's plenty of reason to roast Reagan and Thatcher, we will give credit when it's due. In Margaret's experience, her parents housed a young Jewish girl fleeing Nazi Germany just before the outbreak of World War II. The young teen saved up her... pocket money to help the girl escape to a safer location which while she was a horrible person that actually is really incredible yeah yeah that's what it, well and i'm general, sure she was a white jew so <laughs> yes but well i mean in general you see they both kind of shift like they grow up in these kind of very liberal and progressive households even well, though they're religious the thing of power yeah if you can i have found that a lot of i mean we've done a lot of research and we know that a lot of these people don't necessarily believe the things they're saying but the fear mongering allows you to get in power because if you make people scared, yeah, why would they not vote for you? This person has all the answers. This person can make us safe. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's very much that idea of I'm right. I know what you need. Right, you I know. can save you. Yeah. Reagan's incident wasn't nearly as dramatic, though it was important. When his college football team was slated to stay overnight at a hotel, they ran into an issue when the business refused to serve black. Instead, Reagan took his black teammates to his own home, which happened to be only 15 miles away. The young men stayed overnight and the next morning were served a delicious breakfast by Ron's mother. In fact, the Reagans were very, in point of fact, the Reagans were staunch civil rights supporters and Ronald would spend his life speaking out for civil rights and equality of black Americans. I mean, that was one point that he was always, even before the civil rights movement, he was advocating for equal treatment of black people. I don't know if it was equitable treatment. I don't know. I didn't, that's not what I um, dived into, but it was a platform of his, you know, since he was a teenager. Mm -hmm. When college rolled around, Ron and Maggie took different paths. Margaret had earned a scholarship in chemistry for Oxford's women's college, Somerville. Which, yeah, it's called Somerville. Okay. Ronald attended a small religious institute known as Eureka College. Its roots were tied to his mother's faith, the Disciples of Christ. The school was very small, and in many ways, Reagan was a big fish in a small pond. While Margaret struggled forward in one of the most prominent universities in the world, Ronald flourished in relative obscurity. This is no doubt why he became so popular during his college years, though he still was only moderately invested in his grades. It's very interesting. You see the way, like, he's just a good-looking guy, and she's a woman, and so she works three times as hard to get everywhere. While Thatcher greatly enjoyed her chemistry studies and would always be proud of her background in science, she began to get wrapped up in the world of politics. Her time at university was during the height of World War II and one could not avoid the topic of politics. For many women, it was the first time that they were more easily able to become involved in public discussions. By 1946, Maggie would become the president of the Oxford University Conservative Association. That same year, Reagan turned from his military duty Reagan returned from his military duty during World War II and was elected as third vice president of the Screen Actors Guild. I don't know why there was a third. I don't know what happened. Were they first afraid they were all just going to drop no. off? They're like, <laughs> they're like we people need just ba- assassinating actors left they're and like, right. We need a backup for our backup for our backup for our backup just to be safe. <laughs> I don't know how much of a win that is. You're the third, but whatever. Right. Fine. Hey, you know what? You got some kind of title. That's right. During the 1930s, Ronald had made a name for himself as an American heartthrob on television. His first appointment to the Screen Actors Guild came in 1941, but Reagan had his position placed on hold when he was called up for the Army from the Army Reserve. After returning to the Guild in 1946, Ron would serve for one year before becoming the Screen Actors Guild president in 1947. He got a big upgrade from third vice president. Well, you'll see why. 
His election was more of a default as the seven most senior members were forced to resign due to conflicts of interest. You know what? That's why they have a backup for the backup for the backup for the backup for the backup. You never know when you're going to find out that everybody in your institute is corrupt. Yep. Reagan's appointment would give him his first chance to openly discriminate and attack the queer community. Which, if you're an actor, how could you, like, all the gays are in Exactly. Acting, like that's you're probably not in the right profession if you don't like gays. Well, no, it's I'm just true. gonna throw that out there. And especially in the 20s and 30s, like that was when gay. gay Hollywood was so fucking gay, and you were openly gay, and you didn't care. Like that, they were like, "Yes, send all the gays over to it California." Right the well, yeah, that's what Reagan was part of that. So, if you remember episode eight of your queer story, we covered gays in Hollywood. Or if you ha- listened to our two-part episode on the Lavender Scare, then you know how the Hollywood blacklist hurt. LGBTQ performers like everything in the late 40s and 50s anytime the powerful wanted to put down the oppressed they claimed communism in reality though McCarthy and leaders across the country claimed to be vetting patriots they were really working they were really looking for queers and misfits Ronald Reagan and the Hollywood leaders such as Walt Disney were no different both men testified before Congress in 1947 warning of communist like tactics in Hollywood and the need to fight subversives in fact, Reagan's work went much deeper. Decades later, it was revealed that Ron, under the codename T-10, was a government spy. He and his wife, Jane Wyman, um, turned in countless supposed communist sympathizers. In reality, anyone labeled a homosexual, or at the time a homophile, um, during this time was immediately considered a communist and vice versa. The two words were intertwined and officials were taught to look for feminine expressions in men and masculine masculine expressions in women to help determine if the person was subversive. Reagan's aggressiveness in uncovering communists no doubt became, began to form his bias against the queer community. Which do you think they would have thought I was a communist at that time? Like if they just met me? I think the moment you walk in the room, they were like, that guy right there, that's a commie. You think so? Why? What about me? <laughs> I think I just think that there would have been something that radiated off of you that maybe they would have been like, <laughs> yeah, just my, my idea. I don't know. But yeah, I really suggest, I'm still so proud of our Lavender Scare episodes, even though the the sound quality was rough and we probably bumped (laughs) the table a hundred times and like, (laughs) but. And then um, sometimes the words just sound like we're this far away and then sometimes (laughs) they sound like we're screaming in your ear. But if you can deal with the weird sound quality, the content is solid. Um, And we talked about that, how a communist was just another word for a queer person, like that is what it was. That's all when they were looking for subversives. In fact, that's what they called LGBTQ people. They called them subversives, and that's also what they called communists. So it was like these interchangeable words that was just AKA. Let's look for all the LGBTQ. Let's look for all the queers, and let's get them the fuck out of here. Yep. So, and while they were doing that in Washington, Reagan was doing that in Hollywood. Like McCarthy, he, Reagan, saw a group of people who were dishonest, disloyal, and unworthy of care. Ronald did not care if actors and performers were out of work. He did not care if they died in poverty, if they were arrested, or if they were locked in an asylum. In his mind, the LGBTQ were a threat to be eliminated. By the end of the Blacklist campaign, Reagan had even started turning in many of his own friends and co-workers. We must remember that his ascension in Hollywood began in the 1930s, a notoriously queer time for the silver screen. It would be naive to assume that Ronald had not made many gay friends who were open about their orientations and worked with dozens upon dozens of LGBTQ people. It would also be reckless to believe Reagan had no clue of the deep impact LGBTQ writers, actors, choreographers, set designers, and more had on filmmaking. Um, I'll let you read this next paragraph and then I'll talk about it. Years later, people tried to pass off Reagan's work for the SAG as a burden he shouldered and not something he actually cared to do. But we challenged that claim with his 12 years of service, six re-elections, and the incredible increase in the blacklist length during his tenure. In fact, though the tenure, though the blacklist began before Reagan's election, the Hollywood blacklist era was defined by Ron's leadership. And in truth, he was so committed to his work in fighting so-called communist actors that he and Jane Wyman divorced. She claimed during this proceedings that he was too distracted with the SAG. It doesn't sound like the actions of a man torn about the burden of chasing homos, which you know what's funny is whenever you find that somebody is this against gay people, they're usually gay themselves. So I'm just gonna throw that out there. Looking at you, Mike Pence. No, so he, <laughs> I always thought Mike Pence had a little bit of gay face. I'm oh, just going to throw that out he there. He definitely does. We know he does. All right. So the thing with that, the thing about this thing, uh, this uh, paragraph is that people now, like there's a lot now where people are like, 
you know, if Reagan had, if they had tried to pass same-sex marriage while Reagan was in the White House, uh, he would have supported it. No, his, he wouldn't have. Exactly. His Are daughter said me? that. That's bullshit. They they try to pack, or, or they try to say, well, you know, yes, he was silent during the AIDS crisis, but that doesn't mean he didn't support the queer community. This was a defining moment. 1947 to the late 1950s, he was actively throwing out queer people. He was actively outing them, which meant that they lost their jobs. They lost their homes. They lost their ability to find employment. Many of them were arrested. They were sent into asylums. Like, he actively campaigned. He was fighting the queer community long before he came became president. In fact, this was the most damaging time of his anti-queer campaign. I wonder what happened that caused him to hate, I mean, other than religion if there was like mm. something that happened in his life where he was like these people are horrible well i think when he came back from uh serving in the military and uh mccarthyism and this idea of like fighting communism was so great and so big that i think that really um that inspired him and also we'll talk later about how he switched it from this time from being a democrat to a republican so he was a democrat all mm. this time he was a big champion of FDR and then he supported Harry Truman but when Dwight Eisenhower ran for president he became a big Eisenhower fanboy and Eisenhower as we'll talk about was very very anti-queer mm -hmm. so a lot of that influenced it this was like this was like his switch his shift this was in this is about the same time that uh, Thatcher also shifted where they grew up in these kind of liberal and progressive households and then they shifted to these very conservative people and part of that was attacking and maligning the LGBTQ community so, go ahead, while Reagan. <laughs> while Reagan was fighting imaginary communists overseas, Margaret continued her work as a scientist and became more involved in local politics. In 1948, she joined the Vermin Club, which, is a, which was a grassroots political organization that took their name from a liberal slight. When Labor, Parli when Labor Party politician Nye Bivan called conservatives lower than vermin, young Tories took the name and created a movement. It is similar to the way American conservatives have died. American conservatives adopted Hillary Clinton's slight when she called them a basket of deplorables, or the way American liberals took Trump's nasty woman comment and made it a feminist catchphrase. While in the movement, Maggie would eventually rise to this. I'm drunk. Yeah. While in the movement, Maggie would eventually rise to the position of chief rat, which was a very fitting name. <laughs> there you go. She she gave it to herself. At a conservative party dinner in 1949, Margaret would meet the man who changed her last name from Roberts to Thatcher. He was a wealthy divorce. He was a wealthy divorcee, about 10 years older than Margaret, and it doesn't seem like any sparks were flying. The bride-to-be once described her future husband as not a very attractive creature, very reserved, but quite nice. Which is exactly <laughs> how you want your uh, wife to describe you. I'm exactly. just going to throw that out. Not there. a very attractive, but quite nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yet as Margaret pursued her political career, Dennis Thatcher pursued her. And though 1951 brought a second crushing election defeat to Margaret, it also brought wedding bells. In mid-December 1951, Margaret and Dennis Thatcher were wed. Some saw it as a marriage of convenience on her part. Dennis had funded her campaigns and her studies for the English bar exam. Perhaps it was true. As a woman in politics, the new Mrs. Thatcher had few options. If she didn't marry, especially as a conservative in the 1950s, her career would stagnate. Rumors might also swirl about her sexual leanings, and a girl could do worse than to marry a millionaire who adored and supported her. So there were always like some things of uh, maybe Margaret Thatcher was uh, secretly a lesbian. In reality, I think she just was just didn't care. She was focused mm. on her career, wanted, which is really annoying. That as like if women don't want to get married, they're like, oh, maybe she's a lesbian. Must be a lesbian. Only explanation. But if a guy doesn't want to get married, it's like, oh, he's focused on his career. That's right. Just a good fellow, down to earth. You know, just too busy to think about having a lady. Which you know, if I hadn't met David at the, by this point in my life. If somebody with a lot of money was pursuing me, I probably would have been like, just fuck it. Like at this point. Right. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like he was he was a millionaire. He loved her. He supported her career um, and she needed to get married. And so she married him. And I, I mean, I think like they developed a love over the years. Oh, I'm sure. But I yeah. don't like I don't think they were madly in love. Definitely right. not the way that Reagan and Nancy were. So mm -hmm. in America, a very different love story was forming. A young actress was accused of being a communist and arrived at the SAG to confront a divorce about a divorcee, her, a divorcee about her being blacklisted. According to Nancy Davis, when she met Ronald Reagan, I don't know if it was exactly love at first sight, but it was pretty close. The couple wed 
in early March of 1952, just a few months after Margaret and Dennis's wedding in England. While the Thatchers, while oh, while the Thatchers would always have a very reserved marriage that was often strained by Margaret's political career, the Reagans would have what was hailed as an all-American love story. It was because of their genuine love for each other that allowed Ron to later become the first divorcee to ever win the presidency. Yeah, so it's just a very different, like, you have this woman who marries because she needs to, she marries a divorcee mm-hmm. because she needs to, and then you have the divorcee that falls madly in love, and, you know, and they're able to spin it. Because before that, no one who was divorced had ever been able to win the presidency, was ever even nominated as a serious candidate. Mm-hmm. For Margaret's part, we should point out the sexism that accompanied her role as a wife. In truth, for the most part, she and Dennis seemed happy. Each couple had two children, and they worked hard to build um, and love their family. So Margaret had twins right away, and then Nancy and Reagan both had two children, or they had children together. But while Reagan's drive for success was seen as admirable and inspirational, Thatcher's drive for the same was seen as cold and aloof. In fact, in 1964, after a particularly brutal election for Maggie, Dennis had a breakdown and left the country for a few months. This was cast as a source of shame as if Margaret was responsible for focusing on her career and not her husband. Eventually, Dennis returned and seemed to handle her work much better much better later in life. Yet here we point out the burdens of each of their leaders, each of these leaders. Reagan was faced the world as a divorcee, which was quite a shame for his era. Margaret faced the world as a woman in politics, which continues to be an uphill battle. And while neither of their situations compares to the oppression of queer people, we must wonder how their experiences did not make them more sympathetic to the outcasts and the rejects. Yet it did not. Because they were both white. Yeah. So they... While they faced that, like they didn't really understand the, like the extreme back, like I don't want to say backlash, the extreme opposition that you know, people of color and um, people with more intertwined, um, what the hell is it called? I've had a glass of wine. It's yeah. only ten o'clock. Sorry, people. I know. Um, inter, <laughs> what is it called when you're like? Queer and black. What's that? Oh, intersectional. Yeah, identities. so they didn't yeah. have like those intersectional identities that would where they could understand like, okay, we're getting oppression from all sides. Yeah. Like, yeah, they had this one group of people who were oppressing them or who were against them, but they didn't really understand what it felt like. Just like, like I don't understand what it's truly like. I know what it's like to be a gay man, but I'm also white, so I don't, I don't yeah. fully grasp that. Which was probably why they had such an easy time. Yeah, I think, well, I think that the thing, like, I agree with you, and you're, I don't think there's any way that they could understand that. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, I do also think that people, though, can allow their experiences to make them more compassionate. They and can, and I instead, agree Instead, I think they were just both very selfish and narcissistic. Well, I think anybody who's running for politics is narcissistic. And yeah, that's true. Way. That's true. But th- especially, you, like, Margaret Thatcher had a habit, which I didn't talk about, of, like, constantly throwing women under the bus. You know who I think was not a narcissistic political person is Elizabeth Warren. She didn't even want to run for president. Right. She was like, I don't want to do this. Absolutely. But everybody pushed her and she did it. And I don't, I think a little bit, but I don't think much. Bernie Sanders doesn't have much narcissism either. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think he has a little bit to where he's unwilling to bend his thoughts. Like he's like, this is what we're doing and we're going to do it this way. And you're going to either vote yeah. for me or you're not going to vote with me. I don't know if that's me. narcissism though. I think that, I don't know what the word is, but there's another word where like he believes that he has all the answers. And, but narcissism. I don't think that's, I don't know, <laughs> but it's not coming from this because he believes it he believes in the values of right. it so much um, not that he thinks he is the savior he just thinks he's the only one who's going to carry the message and it's true he's one of the only socialists that's actually openly running that's true so in 1959 margaret thatcher won an election and would spend the next 11 years as a member of the british parliament reagan was only beginning to really wet his feet in politics before the blacklist campaign Re- ronald reagan had identified as a democrat and a strong supporter of Franklin Roosevelt. But by 1950, he had switched parties and now openly endorsed Dwight Eisenhower. It was Eisenhower who implemented Executive Order 10450, which was responsible for causing over 5,000 queer federal employees to lose their jobs. It also put the spotlight on the spotlight on LGBT community and drove up arrests, violence, evictions, unemployment, and institu- institutionalism of queer Americans. Institutionalization. And institute, and the say it institute, and the institutionalization, 
and the institutionalization of queer Americans. While we certainly had anti-LGBTQ presidents before Eisenhower, he was the first to truly come after the queer community in the form of McCarthyism or the Red Scare, and he was Reagan's new hero and mentor for the future president. Though Ronald was not yet a politician, he used his platform as an actor to advocate against so-called socialist programs such as Medicare, food stamps, a rise in the minimum wage, and the Peace Corps. In a broadcast about the evils of Medicare, Reagan told listeners, we will wake up and find that we have socialism. And if we don't do this, and if I don't do it, one of these days, you and I are going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. He also became a lifelong member of the NRA during this time and spoke of the dangers of giving the government too much freedom through federal programs. Margaret was fighting the same battle overseas. She warned of the dangers of tax increases, supported capital punishment, and refused to ease divorce laws, despite despite being the wife of a former divorcee, if we might add. She claimed the Liberal Labor Party was taking steps not only towards socialism, but towards communism. However, in what... Some may find surprising Thatcher was one of the few conservatives to vote for the discrimination of homosexuality, decriminalization of homosexuality in England in 1967. Sorry, Boris had to go get in his box. Yet this type of behavior is not uncommon among conservatives and anti-LGBTQ people. Many folks don't care if a person has freedoms in their own home. They care about witnessing equality and equity in the streets in their streets and businesses and governments. So while it may seem that Maggie was being progressive in reality, she was being practical. Attempting to monitor what a person does in their own home would encourage more government oversight and could be used as a weapon on conservatives later on. Yeah, so several times uh, Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan both pushed some agendas that seemed to be very um, uh, like progressive but they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could see that from the ways that they voted all the other times. You know, we see that even today, you know, the same practices of fighting against food stamps. And um, Ronald Reagan is the one who would perpetuate the myth and create the myth of the welfare queen. Like they fought against the poor and the oppressed again and again, but occasionally they would support a, a um, policy. Are there people out there that are welfare queens abusing the welfare system? Yes. You know who they are? White people. <laughs> Do you ever it's see, true. if you look at the news, all the people, I don't want to say all, I would say 90% of the people all, um, arrested or tried for welfare abuse are white people. Yeah. Middle-aged white people all the time. Yeah. It was just, but yeah. there's this stereotype of the welfare queen, you know, a black woman with eight kids and she only had the eight kids so she could get all this government money. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, that's just not the truth. It's all a fucking lie. It was made up during the Reagan presidential campaign, and we didn't get into any of that. We didn't get into the way that um, Reagan's racist war on drugs. We didn't get into his racist um, way that he used. And that's another thing. Like We talk about how he advocated for black rights, but then you see the way that he turned around and um, was so racist against you know, the black community, mm-hmm. being like, it's your fault that you're in the situation that you're in. You know, Again, that shift where he goes from being a decent person to being a, a dick. The 1970s were a quite pivotal time for both Reagan and Thatcher in their political careers. Reagan quit acting in 1965 and made a bid for the 1967 governorship of California. He won in a landslide and would oversee the state for the next eight years. A former student protester himself, he now flipped roles and sent out the National Guard to put to put out the student revolts of the late 60s and early 70s. The same year, Maggie supported abortion rights in England. Ron did the same in California. Later, Reagan would admit he regretted his pro-choice stance and came out as anti-abortion. Thatcher would remain pro-choice her whole life, but again, it seemed more personally motivated than morally directed. So again, going back to that point where occasionally they would support something that was good, but then they would regret or retrace on it later or like Marjorie. I didn't mean to support that. I right. I was naive. And I was, that's literally so, what Reagan said. Yeah. He's like, I was a new governor. I thought it would be good to support abortion and I was wrong. And Margaret Thatcher put all these just constantly undermined women. But the fact that she was pro-choice was supposed to mean that she was a, some fucking yeah. feminist icon. In 1970, Maggie was elected as educational secretary and served for four years before her party was ousted. She then led the Conservative Party, or Opposition Party, until 1979 when she was formally elected as Prime Minister of England. Reagan would make a bid for the 1967 presidential election, but lose out to the incumbent Republican President Gerald Ford. 
Ford lost the race to Jimmy Carter, and in 1980, Ronald Reagan ran again, this time as the Republican nominee. He won in a 68% landslide, landslide victory. Over the next decade, Ron and Maggie would lead two of the most powerful nations on Earth. Reagan had run on an evangelical platform just like his hero, Dwight Eisenhower. It was Eisenhower who had given religion such a stranglehold on American politics. Before his presidency, there was a definite separation between church and state in Washington politics. This isn't to say that Christianity didn't influence American democracy. We were colonized by Christians, and that played heavily into our early laws. However, there had also been a reverence and acknowledgement of the need for a secular government. Eisenhower changed all of that, and Reagan cemented the fact. In England, a country where nearly 1,000 years, a country with nearly 1,000 years more history and countless religious wars, the separation of the two entities, church and state, was more intact. Still, religion certainly played a role as well in Thatcher's dismissal of LGBTQ rights. In late 1979, the chief medical advisor in England warned about the growing AIDS epidemic, which had claimed 110 British lives at this point. The surgeon wrote, the results of the infection are potentially fatal and there is no effective treatment for it. A vaccine is unlikely to be developed in the foreseeable future, which still today we don't have one. Yeah. Two years later, the first government report broke on the growing AIDS epidemic in America. By 1983, the epidemic was running wild and neither world leader was uttering a word on the matter. There had been 2,807 cases reported in the U.S. while with 2,000 118 deaths. The CDC was begging for funding and a government acknowledgement of the crisis. Reagan said nothing. In the queer community, the only information was that there was a gay cancer or a gay virus. It was especially deadly in America. Overseas, gay Brits warned against having sex with Americans. Yeah, it was seen as an American disease for a long time, <clears throat> which is interesting because uh, how the tables turn right now. We try to blame the coronavirus as a yep. Chinese disease. The China virus. China virus, fucking Trump, this racist rhetoric. But this is, you know, you the know same what? thing. I'm going to interrupt you. Sorry. The thing that annoys me the most is that somebody was at one of his rallies or somewhere, I don't remember, and they asked him, do you think calling Chinese food is, calling it Chinese food is racist because it comes from China? And he goes, <laughs> No. So he's like using like, oh, Chinese food. Like, that's why we can call it the China virus. Oh, and so there, yeah, he tries to be like, yeah, that's just where it came from. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Anyways, um, but without government funding, funding to support the research needed, the queer community set to work or set to work as organizations in San Francisco and New York began to raise money. In England, a group of gay men formed charity and announced news of the virus to their community under the headline, U.S. Disease Hits London. For two years, people on both sides of the Atlantic begged their government's attention and were met with a wall of silence. Finally, in 1984, after 5,596 recorded deaths in the U.S., a grant was given for federal AIDS research. The following year, the U.K. opened a blood screening clinic in Hertfordshire to test for the disease. Though Thatcher's secretary was opposed to her attending the opening ceremony, writing to an acquaintance, an acquaintance my own feelings is that the prime minister should stay clear of AIDS, even when it's a question of opening laboratories to help innocent victims. I think that this is all something for Norman Fowler, the health secretary. If she is going to do a medical visit, it should I should prefer to suggest a hospital or a home for children with an incurable diseases, etc. In 1985, for Reagan and Thatcher... Wait, what? Oh, sorry, in 1985, Reagan, just get four. In 1985, Reagan and Thatcher addressed the epidemic. By then, 12,529 deaths had been recorded in the United States alone. Ron addressed the crisis in a speech to the public, but as a whole left the subject alone. Rumor has it he initially hoped the gay virus would wipe out the unwanted community. He only became concerned when the young Ryan White obtained AIDS through a blood transfusion. Now that heterosexuals were in danger, suddenly the president was on board. For her part, Maggie addressed the epidemic as well, though she found the whole matter of sexual health distasteful. One former health worker reported, The department tried to keep her out of it as much as possible. At one point, after she had seen a draft, we got a message from Nigel Wicks, which was her principal's private secretary, which said, she wants to know if they have to go in the newspapers. We asked him where else they were supposed to go. He said she was wondering about lavatory walls. Yeah, so rather than like warning the public about the dangers in the newspaper, which would make fucking sense, they're like, just put it on the bathroom walls. Just put a couple of notices the up there. The issue that 
countries still face today about talking about sex mm-hmm. just blows my mind because it's something that right? everybody's doing. Everybody's having sex just like everybody's eating breakfast. <laughs> Why are we not having as much research and as much education, as much conversation? Is it awkward to talk to a 12-year-old about sex? Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm not saying it's a very comfortable situation, but... That 12-year-old potentially is already having sex. And a lot of schools were... And when I was in school, we were seeing middle schoolers that were pregnant. Mm -hmm. And just this idea that sex shouldn't be talked about, sex should be ignored, or you should only teach them, just don't do it. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, It's just not. The same way that we don't have education about drug use and things like that. Just don't do drugs. Like, it's just this idea that if you tell somebody not to do something, people are going to do what feels good. Exactly. And we need comprehensive educational platforms around these issues because that's why you see a spike in the AIDS issues. That's why you see a spike in um, teenage pregnancy. That's why you see a spike in opioid abuse because these are real issues that just aren't being taught or aren't being educated about or aren't being funded. Exactly. Absolutely. It just blows my mind that people still won't talk about it. Still won't. All these years later, we still can't get comprehensive sex education. I had to sign an abstinent card in fucking middle school. I had to sign a thousand of them, okay? I'm sure every year you had to like... (laughs) We did. We had a purity push like three times a year. Every Mm -hmm. conference, every kind of everything. So look what happened to us. Look what happened. It doesn't work. No, you don't (laughs) teach kids about safe sex. And so then they have unsafe sex and then they get diseases. Or you teach people that they shouldn't have sex until marriage and then everybody's forcing themselves to get married in these unhappy situations mm-hmm. just so they can fucking experience what it feels like. Exactly. And it's shit. And it's it's really shit. All it does is hurt people. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we want to live with our head up our ass in denial. Thatcher also I know tr- why I want to live with a head up my ass. I know why you do. Yeah. <laughs> Thatcher also tried to avoid talk of sexual intercourse, hoping to strike out terms like oral sex and changing out the words of anal intercourse to back passage intercourse <laughs> <laughs> and finally settling on rectal sex. Right? Like back. <laughs> it's so much better if you just said back passage. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to front passage. <laughs> so the words condoms were never mentioned, and in general, neither the U.S. government or the English government provided guidance on safe sex policy. In fact, it was alluded that avoiding gay sex would solve the problem. By the time Reagan Reagan left office in 1988, there were over 82,000 AIDS cases in America and 61,816 reported deaths. His silence caused caused a worldwide pandemic, and homophobia is the only source to blame. I mean, you think about it he didn't talk about it he didn't provide funding for years mm-hmm. i mean the first report broke in 1981 it was 1984 before a grant was given and it was 1985 before he addressed it mm-hmm. so for those four years he let it run wild and it spread and it's fucking yep. spread but margaret and it's still a problem today and it's still well yeah exactly now it's a world i mean it's all over the world yep. and it's all over the world because we didn't address it when we could have uh, as for margaret she still had one last parting shot at the grieving queer community In 1988, as Reagan was ending his term, Thatcher passed Section 28. The bill outlawed schools and local authorities from promoting the teaching of the acceptability of homosexuality as a pretended family relationship. When Maggie came out against the backlash, she told the public, children who need to be taught to respect traditional moral values are being taught that they have an inalienable right to be gay. All of those children are being cheated out of a sound start in life which is kind of similar to people's um, accusations that teaching people that trans people are okay right. today trans children is are... like, oh, you're going to make a kid get trans. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, or if you let a kid uh, express their gender expression or their gender identity, you're hurting them. You're cheating them out of a full life. Yeah, you're right. This is the same arguments recycled again and it again is, and except again. It just targets a, a smaller minority of people within a community. Exactly. Because you can villainize those people. The law would remain in place for the next 15 years and made it impossible for LGBTQ children in England to have any kind of safe haven in their public lives. However, it also inspired England to have one of the most rapid queer rights campaigns of our time. Yeah, so they they were a little they were behind because Maybe in your time, you know, old as fuck, but <laughs> shut up. Just saying that you know, like it really inspired people. I mean, that law was not repealed until 2003. So for two until 2003 in England, you could not talk about homosexuality in a positive way. Which, if you think about it, for most of our lifts, not most, many of our listeners, myself included, that would yourself included, that would mean that we would have mm-hmm. no idea of anything. Yeah, and I mean, I grew up, I didn't have. 
I can't remember any LGBT education through my schooling, and I know you didn't have any, but like this entire country just had nothing. Right. And I I mean, I'm sure in the United States during our time growing up there, New York, probably California, um, places like that, I'm sure there was some sort of LGBT education. Yeah. Um, But for us, there was nothing, but this prohibited an entire country from having anything, which would cause so much delay in an entire generation of youth yeah. growing up in this era. Well, even because even if um, if schools didn't teach it, you still could have them offer uh, after school classes. You still could have local authorities have, you know, a town hall resources, or a, information resources. somewhere exactly. from some direction. All of that. This prohibited authorities from doing that. And there's a lot, a lot of testimonies of young people who talked about. Um, so there's so many testimonies of people in England who talk about how aggressive the bullying was at school and of course it was because you knew that you especially because there was information on the internet so you knew what it was to be gay to be trans to be queer but you couldn't go talk to your teachers about it you know at least here we have the english teachers right margaret would be forced to resign from her position as prime minister in 1990 after serving for 11 years i didn't put in why we don't have time. In 1994, Ronald would announce that he had Alzheimer's and over time would withdraw from public view, which a lot of people said that he was already exhibiting um, Alzheimer's at the end of his presidency. I don't know if that's true. Again, I didn't look into it. It was like five years after his presidency that he talked about it. He announced it. So um, Ronald Reagan would pass away from complications of his disease on June 5th, 2004. Maggie attended his funeral. During their decade together, they had become icons of the Cold War, heralded for their heroism against communism. The ignorance and pain they projected on the queer community would be ignored until the early 2010s. Nine years after Reagan's death, Thatcher passed away on April 8, 2013, due to a stroke. Their negative impact on the LGBTQ still affects our communities today. And you can feel it all over. But you yeah. know what? He's Ronald Reagan is heralded as like the... Um, the savior of American, um, not communism, well, the, of American capitalism. Yeah. But if you look at, I've done a lot of research and data analysis on this. We, mm-hmm. I actually took a class on data analysis and I compiled a lot of information. Yeah. And if you look at the Reagan era, prior to Reagan, there was a very steady increase of wage flow to Americans and um, CEOs and everything was going well. The average American was very well off. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at the chart, when he takes over... The graph actually goes like, the graph actually goes like this, like skyrockets. Yeah. So one one line goes up and one line goes down, and mm-hmm. that's to show that the average American income and the average American spending money drops significantly, and it's continued to drop or slowly stay steady since. Yeah. But there hasn't been an increase in the average American's income or spendability or mm-hmm. uh, disposable income since Reagan yeah. because he dismantled all. Of not all of the most of the protections and a lot of like minimum wage, which was, by the way, um, implemented so that the average person, the average person working full time could afford to live. Well, yeah, it was, it that was, was the point. Of and it. to keep the wealth gap from being right. so so wide so that the wealthy wouldn't have so much more power over the uh, but people. It's, who it's been spun today to be where the average like. Oh, you work a minimum wage job. That's so da- that's so low class of you. That's so um, you shouldn't be allowed to afford the same yeah. luxuries that I have. Oh, as I love the I love the way the narrative. This. Yeah, I love the way the narrative has changed. Where people are like, no, minimum wage was just so teenagers could make some extra pocket money. No, it fucking wasn't. It wasn't. Forever, you could live off of minimum wage. A man could support his wife, his family off of a fucking wife minimum and two wage. Children. Yeah, exactly. Easily. Like that Fuck was off great. It. Fuck off, that's what it is. But it was Ronald Reagan that spun that. It was Ronald yep. Reagan who opposed, from the time he first started in politics, the increase in minimum wage. And you're right. He he dismantled the protections, and he let the wealthy get even more wealthy, and he stopped the working mm-hmm. man from being able to have a livable lifestyle. Yep. He made the working man um, turf. A lower citizen. Um, what is it? Not serfs. Um, um, serfs. Caste he, system. Yeah, he made it. He Ronald Reagan created... Not, he didn't create the modern the class American system. caste system. Yes, he created the modern American caste system. He made us unable to achieve the so-called American dream. The man that was the American hero who was America's heartthrob and then later America's love story and America's sweetheart. He made the average American incapable of achieving the American dream. Yep. So your recommended resources, your your recommended resource is 
And the band played on Politics, People, and the AIDS Epidemic by Randy Schiff, Schiltz. It was later adapted into a 1993 movie. We also recommend the popular movie Philadelphia Story, starring Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington, which addresses the AIDS stigma in the 1990s. Yeah. If you're on quarantine and you've never seen that movie, it's a good time to watch it. It's sad, but it's good. It's great. So we hope this longer than normal episode brought you a little comfort during your You're quarantine. locked down at home anyway, so you needed something a little extra. I know most people are struggling and itching to get out of the house, but if you're like me and you are living your dream right now, I'm happy for you because I know <laughs> I have been more comfortable than I've ever been in my entire life. Oh yeah, I love it. I don't it. know if it's being an introvert or depression, but it's working for me. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I'm loving I'm loving living at home. It's all good. Um, but yeah, so make sure you hit subscribe. Check out our Patreon exclusive content for as low as three dollars a month. Guys. Three bucks a month. That's literally one coffee from Duncan. Exactly. Come on, three dollars. Support the queer community. You're supporting the queer community. You're not putting money in our pockets. You're putting it back towards the queer community, and you're getting exclusive content. So we'd love to have you join us. Um, and. Stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. And a little succulent sapphists. And our proud homocrats. And I hope that you take the back passage this week. When you have your sodomy circus. (laughs) Because the back passage is tighter than the front passage. That's right. So, (laughs) enjoy. Bye. Bye. I'm too drunk for it being 11 a.m. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.